Welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is the co-host with the most, Ward Carroll. And also joining us is our guest host or guest commentator, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. He of the 5,000-word story uh, in the Capitol Gazette today about the 1985-86 Navy basketball team. If you have time and enjoy reading stuff like James Joyce's The Odyssey or The Iliad or things of that nature, please give that a read and then check in with us next year when you're done. So awesome, awesome week. Why? As Ward will tell you, right, when I'm done with my very short intro, it's because sports was back and it was back in a big way and in a great way. Um, we tweeted um, a bunch from the men's lacrosse game over the weekend and then from the awesome, awesome uh, comeback by baseball against Bucknell 15 to 10. We're going to talk to Joe Samorian about that. We're also going to talk to uh, Patrick Skolniak of the men's lacrosse team about their 13-10 victory against Bucknell and how they're progressing on the season and what commissioning week might look like. So a lot of great results. Sports being back is the big thing. Most recently, women's soccer went to very rainy Bucknell last night where this former O-Rep always hated going and then played in another total shit show. Um, similar to the loss against Colgate, where it was just dumping down rain the entire game. But this time at Navy women's soccer, let's take our hat off to them, uh, came through with a very big 1-0 victory over Bucknell. On the other side of the coin, and this is where I kick it toward, women's lacrosse was not as lucky, gave up a huge run to Loyola and could not come back from it and lost 14-6. to For more on that, I kick it over to our guest host, Ward Carroll. I'm the guest host now. The uh, you're the co-host of the guests. Oh, the, I, you know I could get a good look at a butcher's ass by putting my head up a bowl. Wait a minute, it's got to be your bowl. I'm no good at this. How can you do this? <laughs> do this. So, uh, well, so first off, I invite listeners if you're not already following us on Twitter and Instagram to do so because. As those who do know, we do a pre-halftime and post-game mini hit, about a minute and a half long with me and Wags or me, Wags and Johnny or whoever's there that that very granularly and in a very short burst describes what's happening. So with respect to the women's lacrosse game last night, they got handled by Loyola, a really good Loyola team and a very physical Loyola team. Faster, quicker sticks, and a lot more physical. In fact, Wags and I were commenting that at times the checking bordered on looking like it was a men's game. Um, so Loyola dominated pretty much throughout. There was a point halfway through the first half where uh, Ellie Lecker tied it up, and we looked like the momentum was shifting back in our favor. But from that point forward, in fact, we didn't score for another 37 minutes. Um, And then at that point, we scored our last goal of the game. So they got handled, uh, and it didn't really look like the women's team that we'd seen to that point. Um, So we'll look for them to bounce back against Drexel on April 7th. Uh, But 
as you described, Johnny, the, the weather at the women's soccer game at Bucknell, it was equally horrific at Navy uh, Marine Corps Memorial Stadium last night, which is sort of the theme we've had for women's lacrosse home games. Uh, and the standing water is worse than ever. Uh, but it didn't seem to bother Loyola that much because they were moving the ball and they were working up and down the field pretty quickly. Uh, it did seem to affect us. A lot of unforced errors, a lot of passes that just went out of bounds and errant shots and that sort of thing. So uh, not the best look from Navy women's lacrosse last night. Wags? Well, just real quickly, a positive. Navy did go up to West Point and dig deep after three weeks off from practice. And Army had been playing regularly, and uh, Navy dug deep to pull out a victory in the Star Game up at West Point. It wasn't pretty, but the mids got it done. So there was some positive for Navy uh, since they've come out of the ROM. Uh, Loyola, they'll get a rematch with Loyola April 24th up in Baltimore. And uh, I think Navy will be better prepared. This was a tough situation. Three weeks of no practice. You play Army at West Point. You got you're basically two days to prepare for Loyola big game. So uh, tough situation. Um, well, they are four and one. I will say the the team is four and one. So yeah, it's, it's I don't want to paint Navy. with too negative a, a brush there. So you're yeah, right. Yeah, this is a good Navy women's cross team, and we're gonna. There's a lot a lot of the season to be played. A lot left to to say. Um, well, let me interject uh, there, Wags, really quick. So Stacy had a really good comment right before we came on that. Loyola has yet to lose a regular season women's lacrosse game in the Patriot League. I think they're 54 and 0, she said, or something like that. That is incredible. I, and, and I know that stats aren't, I mean, I can pull start a Google machine as well as you can, but I, I don't know that that's got to be some kind of a record or maybe like UConn women's basketball has the most consecutive regular season conference wins in any sport, but that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. I well, heard they, the they, sports information director that was at the game yesterday in the press box. I think he said that the record for, and I don't know if it's women's across, it probably is just women's across, but uh, it could be all sports. But the record for most consecutive conference victories is something like 67. So Loyola women's cross is closing in on that at 54. Now, I did point out in the story today, Navy has gotten Loyola when it really matters. They beat them twice in the Patriot League Tournament Championship game, and they also beat them once in the NCAA Tournament. So the Navy, Navy can beat Loyola, and, and I, they will, uh, I believe, uh, again. Um, well, here, here's I hoping, do, and I concur. But, Wags, I just got to say, Loyola had a swagger that was really distinct, and Jillian Wilson is my new favorite lacrosse player of any good. gender. You know, and just she she's the field captain, the field general, and she just – isolating on her and watching her lead and her uh, just her, her uh, aggressiveness. So you're super impressive. So uh, real quick, before I turn it back to John to proceed, I do want to tout this 85, 86 Navy men's basketball retrospective. I spent a lot of time on it. I mean, literally 65, 70 hours between interviewing all sorts of former players, transcribing tape and writing it. And, you know, the sad truth is I actually wrote 9,000 words which got pared down to uh, 4,500 or thereabouts. But um, it's a long read, but it's well worth your time. I hope people do check it out. It's, it's fun. It's interesting. And it recalls one of the greatest teams in Navy history of any sport, that 85-86 team with David Robinson, Vernon Butler, 
Kyler Whitaker, Doug Wojcik, Cliff Reese, Derek Turner, just an incredible group of guys. Uh, Carl Liebert, don't want to leave out Carl, uh, but I do encourage people to read that. Johnny, I'll send it back to you to further the discussion. But yeah, if, if anyone um, is, is a real nerd about basketball history, please read Wags's article and his wrap-up from the women's lacrosse game uh, from last night. Uh, and to Wags's point, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Winning that star up at Army after coming back from a big goal deficit and winning 13-12 in that star game on Saturday, March 27th, was humongous. But again, to, to your points, coming off of a three-week uh, layoff, I was talking to Rob Blank, the women's assistant lacrosse coach, uh, women's assistant soccer coach at the baseball game against Bucknell. And, you know, he was just talking about the challenges that are resident there. Like, how do you take a bunch of athletes who have been inactive for three weeks and you haven't had touch points with them and make sure they're fit, make sure they don't get injured. Um, it's, it's a challenge. And, and then to play in the conditions that they played in at Bucknell uh, and come out with a victory, absolutely awesome. And, and hats off to the women's laxers too last night, you know, taking that run from a really good Loyola team and absolutely horrible weather. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a credit to their, to their uh, dedication and what they do for, for this institution. So we're going to talk to a couple of athletes who are uh, well-versed in what it takes to, to be, uh, you know, to be a person of consequence for this institution. We're going to talk to Patrick Skolniak and Joe Samorian when we come back from this break. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner. Of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. So happy to be joined uh, here in our athlete segment by Patrick Skolniak. Uh, Patrick is a MIDI uh, from Dallas, Texas, playing on the Naval Academy lacrosse team. His father, Philip, is a 1983 graduate of the Naval Academy and was a four-year lacrosse letter winner. Um, Patrick has the unique distinction every single game he's played in, from his plebe year into current year, uh, he has had a point in. Um, so obviously an impact player from Dallas, Texas. So happy to be joined by Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having me. No problem. So I'll ask the first one, then kick it to Ward. Walk us through what your, you've you've had the most interesting experience from plebe year to current day uh, with the pandemic. How has it affected you academically and how has it affected your career on the lacrosse field? Definitely was a, a weird start. Um, a normal fall, a lot more fast paced in high school. So we had to adjust to the plebe class. Um, then when we got the season going, um, we were super excited in uh, spring break because we got to have our first like big home game, so to speak, against Hopkins. And then getting the news from coach, I think the day before the game, uh, saying like the season's canceled, but we're going to try and uh, play Army. 
And then coach said that we can't even do that like 10 minutes later. And he was like, maybe we'll be able to scrimmage uh, each other one last time for the seniors. And then like five minutes later, he's like, boys, we're going home. And uh, it was, it was really sad because, you know, we felt like we were starting to get a momentum and uh, you know, going home and doing classes online, it really wasn't the same as being in person on the yard. Um, and especially playing lacrosse, like you didn't have a stick in your hands with, with the boys. So it was, it was a big, uh, culture shock to what we were used to. And, uh, it was, it was really sad, but we knew that when we were going to come back here in the fall, that everybody was just going to hit the ground running. And, uh, there was going to be no, oh, woe is us. You know, we got to roll with the punches because that's the type of school we go to. We just get back up and keep moving. And, um, I think you saw that a lot from the senior class leading us and uh, making sure that we weren't worried about anything else except for ourselves and, you know, developing when we can and how we can. So this season's been a little bit of a challenge. We've had that, we had that month break off and, um, you know, everybody, there was not a single lacrosse player that wasn't out around the yard hitting the wall in the most strange places, whether it was on like an academic building or like finding a piece of wall, like somewhere strange or just shooting. Like we had to stay six feet apart at all times. So like you would literally see guys like, I want to say like hundreds of yards away from each other on a field, but there was like 15 of them. So it, it was, it was really strange, but now you see, uh, you know, what that time off has uh, produced for us on the lacrosse field, like our stick skills are, I feel like we're more, more honed in and uh, our mindset is more sharper than ever. Like we know that time is limited and it's very precious, especially during this COVID um, COVID situation. So, you know, it's, it's something that we have to deal with and we can't take any single day for granted. You know, we have to spend the time that we have with each other, uh, to the fullest. And, uh, I think coach and the seniors, uh, do a really good job of that. So Patrick, how has the brigade's morale been with this on again, off again? I mean, you mentioned that you're going back to in-person classes. I actually did a meeting in Nimitz right before this most recent spike happened and went back to, uh, to virtual and walking around. Uh, I actually tweeted that it felt a lot like the dark ages and it was sort of like, um, you know, nostalgic for me to see this quote unquote normalcy in terms of, you know, you guys between classes and the, the tunnel under Rick over and so forth and so on. And then suddenly we're shut down again. Um, and one of the things that we've commented on in the history of the show, because Sync Second has been around sort of in parallel with the pandemic, um, is how you guys have got this awesome attitude in the face of something that to our eye, and as we look back at our time uh, as mids, um, just seems like uh, something where we'd have been real attitude cases in the face of it. Um, so how is morale and how is i mean i see your roommate behind you arcing around how are you guys doing with respect to um just the attitude of the brigade and i mean we're starting to get vaccinated and is there's the sense that by the time we get to finals and dead week and uh then commissioning will be back to normal is that sort of the promise of taking a strain now do you think um i you know it's funny you say dark ages because Personally, like I, I haven't really had a, I don't want to say like a bad time with the dark ages, but it didn't really like hit me like, oh man, this time's tough until like the COVID, like being going back and forth between like, okay, we're going to be, there was like a, I think a, I want to say 
a month or so where we were back in person for classes and then boom, we shut down again. So to say that, you know, there wasn't a little like bad attitude. I mean, everybody in the back of their mind is probably thinking like, Oh man, this is tough. Like we can't catch a break, but I think with the timing of like the fact that the uh, administration, like telling us like, we're going to get vaccinated. And then we go back into a hard ROM after we got vaccinated. Um, you know, it, it was, it was tough. Um, sports teams, you know, we couldn't practice. We didn't know when we were going to get back on the fields and, you know, regular, uh, mids who don't play sports, they couldn't do extracurricular activities and they couldn't go to their, clubs for uh, school purposes. So like everybody in some way uh, suffered. So I think with the reboot now being back in person, um, you know, and to say that no one, no one uh, went out on like any social media or anything like that. And no one spoke out against how anything was being dealt again. Like, like I said before, we just roll with the punches. We just, you know, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You know, just move on. And um, I think we saw that a lot from the upper class, in all companies. Like I know the upper class of my company were like, Hey guys, like this is something that everybody's dealing with, not just us. So we just got to move on, accept what we're, what we're going through and uh, just know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like we're going to get through this. So that was a big, uh, a big push. And I think that now that we're back officially is, is big weight off our shoulders and everybody's just uh, enjoying like the precious time because it's going to, it's, commissioning weeks and it comes sooner than we know like we're going to blink and we're going to be you know playing army so it's the precious time that uh the seniors have here on the yard because they're going to look back and they know this like you know, they're going to say wow like that went fast and covid's going to be a blink so i think it's it's uh, not you know taking anything for granted is the key and what keeps all the upperclassmen and seniors uh, uh honed in yeah good that's a great attitude so the sense is that we will have a normal commissioning week. Is that sort of the gouge around the hall currently? Um, I don't want to say that we'll have a normal commissioning week because, you know, I, honestly, I don't know how COVID is going to react to everything. But I do know that we should will be fully vaccinated. And that is the goal. We've been heard from we got word like I, we had a Don's call and it was that the goal is to have the seniors to have a normal commissioning week. You know, that's that's the mindset that we should have. And in order to do that, not only just because we'll receive the second vaccination doesn't mean that we are 100%, you know, not going to get COVID again. And it's whatever a new strain might pop or something like that. It's going to still require us to adhere to, you know, COVID protocol guidelines. You know, we go out on Liberty, but we're still accountable for, you know, hold, maintaining six feet and not going indoors and sitting close to people, things of that nature. So it's while we do get time off, you know, it's, it's going to be us holding ourselves and each other accountable. Because of course, the most important part of commissioning week is the blue angels. And this year the blue angels will be debuting their super Hornet routine. So we've got to have the Blue Angels. I'm dying to see them with the Super <laughs> Hornet. Um, so how about summer training? Uh, last summer, you, you were heavily impacted by COVID. Did you go on you know, any sort of youngster cruise or anything like that? Or, or, um, and, and so what's this going to do to this summer in terms of now trying to get cram more stuff in that you may have lost last summer? Right. So last summer, when we went home during that spring break time, the idea was it'd be about two weeks and then we'd be back and, you know, we'd maybe continue a little cross season and we'd go straight into the summer, summer trainings. But then as we all know, COVID just kept going and going. So we actually 
all we did was have uh, summer uh, school online. So that was our summer trading, so to speak. But we just got our uh, summer assignments, I want to say, a few weeks ago. And um, I'm looking really forward to it because I really have never had uh, an experience of summer training, whether it was being on a ship, being with the Marines and MAGTAF, stuff like that. So uh, that's something that I'm personally really looking forward to. And hopefully it'll be to complete normalcy to where I won't have to, you know, COVID guidelines won't be so strenuous on us in our uh, professional knowledge when being with, you know, sailors and officers in the fleet. So that's something that I know I'm really looking forward to and uh, the freshman class really looking forward to. And as to what the result of COVID was, I believe that uh, my class won't be going on ProTramid, which is a, a real cool and fun experience for us. I don't know. I forget where they, uh, what class they put it on. I don't even know if they're putting it on the freshman class either. I think that was just a, they're moving that aside and they're just saying, okay, you just got to, we got to do our, um, our summer cruise. That's our graduation requirement. So I believe my first block summer cruise is it's either, uh, I hope, to, I hope it's going to be West coast, but we'll see. But I know that that's going to be my first block, uh, summer requirement, uh, second block leave. And then third block is, uh, YPs back here in Annapolis. So I'm really excited for that. Finally. I've never heard anybody say they're very excited for YPs. So good, good for you. You watch your mouth. That's an exciting, that's, there's no more expeditionary at sea time than on the YPs. You watch it. Yes. No, those are great. Those YPs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Patrick. We know what I remember about Protramid is riding a bus up and down I-95. That's what Protramid was. Um, Quantico was awesome. Um, and uh, we didn't actually get to fly an airplane because they were out of money. So we that's the first Hornet I ever saw was at Pax River. We drove down to Pax River and there was this brand new cherry Hornet. It was actually painted blue and white. And they're like, that's an F-18. That's the first time I ever saw an F-18. Um, so that's how old Ward is. Um, over to you, Wags. Hey, Patrick, I've got intel because uh, one of the sports editors that I worked with for 30 years, Jerry Jackson, played lacrosse with your father at Archbishop Curley. Are you aware that your dad's a Baltimore boy, East Baltimore Archbishop Curley boy? I do. I know that. I uh, I went to his, he got inducted to the high school hall of fame last year. So I was able to be there for that. I love Archbishop Curley. Great area. Yep. Well, uh, so a lot of great stories about him, but uh, your first game, you had a goal and assist against Manhattan and I'm in the press box with the soup, Admiral Buck. And he says, Scowniak, I graduated with Scowniak and uh, the soup. Knows your father, remembers him. He said he was a great face-off man, big, strong guy. Um, has the soup buttonholed you and let you know that he knows your dad? I, th I think it was. I want. I don't. I don't know if it was against Manhattan. It might have been the second game, but I think I. I just scored or I just had an assist, and uh, I was looking at the face-off X, and I, someone tapped me on the shoulder, and I like, kind of looked back, and it was. This big guy behind me and he was wearing a uniform. He was like, Scalniak, I I knew your father. I played with him, but I saw it was it was soup. And I was like, I was like, yeah, like I was kind of startled. You know, I probably lost my professionalism a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, he told me, but I should have been like, all right, sir, yes. Like, thanks for coming out, sir. Like, but it, it was really cool. And uh my dad, when when um when the soup uh actually was 
decided that it was going to be a guy from the class of 83 my dad was like hey man like i know this guy like he's he's a great dude and i was like well that dude is a sir so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to lock it in in case he ever comes up to me so when he did that was pretty funny but uh, i know he's a big lacrosse fan um so it's it's really great to have him on the sidelines well obviously and your dad was a fantastic player for navy um just out of curiosity how'd your dad get from east baltimore archbishop Curley out to dallas texas so he was, uh, after he graduated from here, he was a Marine and, uh, he went all over the world, um, from Camp Pendleton to Okinawa, Japan, which is where I was born. I lived there twice. So we were from Camp Pendleton, Okinawa, and then he retired when I was, I think the age of nine and, uh, started working for Lockheed Martin in Texas. And we actually have family, uh, down in Texas as well. I think for like three, three to five miles away from where I live now. And uh, my uncle also a uh, Naval Academy grad uh, played lacrosse here too. Um, he was able to uh, connect with us. And so Texas was a perfect place for my parents to live. I remember at a young age, you know, they were building the house and I was like, Texas, like what's in Texas? Like I was just a little kid and, and he's, and my mom's like, Oh, great schools. Like a lot of good sports, football. And my dad's like, yeah, football, lacrosse, you know, lacrosse is growing. So uh, th- I think it was the help of uh, ex family kind of just brought us in. And um, yeah, so it's, it's been great ever since. You know, when you, when you, when you ask what's in Texas, I'm reminded of a line from officer and a gentleman that I shall not repeat. <laughs> Well, so real quickly, I mean, obviously your father and uncle are Navy grads. So I said, how much did that, you know, lead you to the Naval Academy? Or was this a, you know, you have to make this decision on your own, Uh, you know, kind of tell me, you know, did that have play a role or a factor or just you kind of find this on your own? Um, That's a great question. I think um, sophomore year in high school, I mean, lacrosse, was always, uh, I know, I knew it was going to be a driving factor on where I was going to decide to go to college. Um, but I knew whatever college it was going to be, it was supposed to be the right fit. And the saying always goes around to every recruit, you know, it's not the next four years, it's the next 40 years. And I think it was about sophomore year of high school where I realized, and I, you know, it was a really uh, humbling talk with my dad because he never push Naval Academy on me. He was just, whenever you're here to ask questions, like I'm here, um, you know, and I think I took a lot of, a lot of uh, trips to different uh, colleges that might've put a little dent in my dad's pocket, but it was for the right reasons. Um, uh, but no, he was never a, a uh, driving factor in pushing me to come here. Um, I think that uh, coming to the Academy, there's a lot more to think about than just lacrosse. You know, you got to, your whole life is going to change. You're going to commission as an officer and you're going to be seeing the world and going to places that you never heard of. Um, and I think once I got really excited about that and knowing that, you know, I'm going to graduate with a job and I'm going to have a degree from the United States Naval Academy that I think that was a really selling point and a really big selling point. And um, my parents did so much for me to be where I am in eighth grade. I made this switch to, from public school to a private school in Dallas and the sacrifices that they made for me to go to a school like that, to get into a school like this, it, none of this would have happened without the sacrifices that they, that they made, you know, in the long run, I know they're going to be really, really happy about it. Um, but you know, 
all the credit goes to them and, and what they've had to deal with in, uh, in May. I'll throw it back to John uh, to wrap up because I know we got Joe Samorian on here waiting for us to talk baseball. All right. Well, hey, Patrick, really appreciate you making time. The only thing I'll ask as we go out, you know, having been a Dallas transplant, our uh, intrepid producer, Chris Cervello, is a tortured Dallas Cowboys fan. Having moved there later in life, did you drink the Kool-Aid? Are you a Cowboys fan? Absolutely not. I am not yes. a Cowboys fan. I'm a Ravens fan. Everybody gives me crap up here because uh, you're a fake Ravens fan now that they're good. It's like, hey, I've been through the Joe Flacco days of like eight and eight. Like 2012 to 2013 was the greatest year of my life watching Jacoby Jones in Denver. Like I, I've been Ravens fan my whole life. That's all I've ever watched. And go O's this season, baby. That's right. Yeah. Poor, uh, poor Chris Cervello is there in his Dak Prescott uh, pajamas. He's uh, he'll cry himself to sleep tonight on his big pillow. So, Hey, Patrick Skolniak. So, so great talking to you. Um, really a pleasure watching you play the other day. And we wish you luck as you take on the Loyola Greyhounds Saturday, April 3rd at 2 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. You can tune in and watch that on CBS Sportsnet or listen to the sweet dulcet tones of Pete Medhurst or just tune in for our live tweets. We promise to make it interesting and funny. For Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner and Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. Thank you so much to Patrick Skolniak. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift gears, talk baseball with Joe Samorian. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at we sing second. Now back to the pod. So happy to be joined for another athlete segment this time by Navy baseball outfielder Joe Samorian. He is a, a native of Andover, Massachusetts, went to Phillips Academy as an outfielder here in his junior year, uh, batting leadoff and coming off of a great comeback win the other day against Bucknell. Uh, in which Samorian was definitely part of the action in, in a big, big eighth inning where 10 runs were scored to come back from a 9-5 deficit. So happy to be joined here by Joe Samorian. Joe, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you today? We're doing well. So my very first question is this. You're from Andover, Mass. I assume that there's some sort of Boston Red Sox fanaticism there. Everything. Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, diehard Boston. Still still aching over Tom Brady right now. <laughs> I was waiting for the next thing in that list to be Al-Qaeda. You know, like, you know, Red Sox, Al-Qaeda, Patriots. Um, well, hey, you oh, guys God. just got a big win today. Instead of getting stomped by the Orioles uh, on opening day, you got a rain out. You know, you, you dodged a bullet there. The, the Orioles are an absolute wagon this year. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to watch out for them. Uh, but hey, take me to you know I I know that Wags and Ward will ask you more about your career so far and the impacts of COVID. But I was in the stands uh, this past game. You know I walked in in the eighth inning literally as you came up, um, and the score was nine five. I had just come from the lacrosse game, and I was like, well, this one's probably done. Um, walk me through a little bit of that game, particularly the howling wind, like playing outfield and that gigantic flag behind you just 
blowing right out toward the Severn. Balls were flying out of the stadium. It must have been tough to hit, tough to field. Walk me through that experience and that eighth inning. So, like you said, being an outfielder with how big the how uh, how hard the wind was going, it was definitely something I hadn't seen before. I mean, balls were I've never seen that many home runs in one game in our stadium. It's usually a graveyard out there. So, uh, I mean, Bucknell hit a I think to lead off the game a line drive off the center field wall, and I mean that just sort of went to show what kind of a game it was going to be. And then honestly, throughout it. Uh, I mean, you mentioned like there's a bunch of home runs, uh, a few balls that we wouldn't even expect to get out without uh, the help of the wind. And so Bucknell really rode that and uh, got ahead on us. But throughout the game, we were hitting pretty well. We were seeing their pitchers pretty good. And even though we were down by four in the eighth, I don't think anyone really doubted that we it just took a couple knocks and a couple uh, good at bats to get us right back into the game. And that's exactly what happened. So things worked out really well. And uh yeah, that was a great win. There was uh, when I sh- first showed up, there was a ton of chirping going on from that Bucknell dugout. And by the time the 10th run crossed the plate and 15 guys had come to come to bat, uh, that was a very quiet dugout over there. So it was a nice thing to hear. Uh, silence was golden there. Ward, go ahead. Yeah, just a pony on what John's talking about, Joe. Great game. I was uh, basically at the lacrosse game watching John's live tweets. And uh, wow, what a what a, a, a gutsy come from behind victory. So does this kind of define the team's attitude in your mind? And, and how has the COVID environment and the, the start and stop element of that either enhanced that or challenged that? Uh, I think the one thing that sort of morphs it all together is our team's positivity and confidence. Um, I mean, starting with uh, shutting things down for three straight weeks for COVID, uh, I mean, it would have been really easy to get down and get negative and start thinking, oh, man, our season's done. We're going to lose all our momentum. Uh, It's going to be a slow, rocky start when we get back. But, I mean, we stayed together. We hung with it. And then once we got back, like, I mean, coming uh, back to that game on Sunday, we were down by four runs in the eighth inning. And I don't think a kid on our team was thinking, like, we were probably going to lose that game. Uh, I mean, we know what we're capable of. We're, we're a really confident team, especially offensively. And so um, we sort of went into it with that attitude and came out on top. And so I think the positivity is really our biggest asset right now. Yeah, like you said, the Bish is generally a graveyard. And Wags and I were doing one of the, uh, the halftime report, and we noted the direction of the flags and commented that that was carrying balls out of the field in a very unique – I mean, generally the wind does not flow that direction, as you know. Uh, so it was a slugfest. Great stuff. Wags, over to you. Joe, I'm looking at the stats. You know, Wags is the uh, writer. He's always got to have the stats up. You're hitting 280, which is, you know, I expect 310 out of you. But I do see 477 on base percentage. Does Coach Costi as leadoff hitter, what's he preaching? On base percentage, he wants you on. He doesn't care if it's a hit or a walk, right? Yeah, any any way I can get on, it's a positive. I just go up there trying to have a good at bat. It's a, uh, I mean, as a leadoff hitter, if you can get on base to start off the the game or start off an inning, like that's really that's why you're there, because uh, that's that's what starts the offense up every time. So, yeah, I like to raise the average a little bit, but uh, I, I'd say the on base percentage is the most important part. 
Well, in talking to Coach Costi, obviously one of the questions was whether you all could replicate the chemistry from last year. I mean, you had that great winning streak, I believe it was 14 straight games that you won, and several of them were miraculous, like Penn State when you were, what, no hit for nine innings and somehow won a game. Um, and there are others that you came back in. And I thought maybe Sunday a Bucknell was an indication of Navy circa 220 about doing whatever it takes to win a ball game. Did, did, did what happened on Sunday kind of uh, remind you of last year and, and maybe build some confidence that this team was similar to last year and that get it done no matter what it takes? It definitely did. Uh, obviously, like you said, last year we had fantastic chemistry. We had great leadership. And coming right off of that three-week uh, period of not playing baseball, we were a little worried that – I mean, I was a little worried – that uh, it would be a slow start getting back into things. And I was worried about how the whole team would react and how I would react. Um, but after, after seeing what we're capable of in a pinch like that, uh, yeah, we're, we're, it's a good group of guys. We're, we're like a family out there. And I honestly think that the whole uh, coronavirus uh, sort of postponement of our season even brought us closer together. We were doing we were doing different, like we had a trivia night one night with the team on Zoom. Uh, we had some meetings with alumni, baseball alumni, to sort of talk about how we were handling ourselves. And, and it was great. And I think we're honestly better because of it. Back to John for the wrap. Well, Joe, uh, I'll, I'll ask you just uh, one last question. We're going to do a shout out to a friend of the pod and, and friend of uh, producer Chris Cervello and myself, oh. Harry, who's, who's a tortured Red Sox fan, just like yourself. Who do you fashion your game after? Like more, yeah, you bet you hit from the left side, uh, you play center field, you know, kind of JD Drew, JBJ. Like, who have you kind of modeled your game after from, you know, all of your games at uh, Fenway Park? <laughs> um, honestly, as weird as it sounds, pro uh, probably Brock Holt. Um, and he, at, I mean, he was not really a superstar. And obviously, I love Mookie Betts too, but Brock Holt was, uh, he was a lefty. He wasn't the biggest guy. Uh, wasn't the fastest guy. He was sort of a, you know, grinder, get up there and do what you can to have a positive impact. And I think that, uh, that's exactly how I want to be. And so we miss him a lot on the Red Sox. Brock Holt's a big one. <laughs> well, there's always room on the, uh, Cedric Mullins bandwagon for the, uh, for the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles, uh, another diminutive left side of the plate hitter, um, so, you know, Cervello and I have room for you. Uh, we have season <laughs> hey, hey, we'll be there. We'll be there a week from today when, when the Red Sox come calling for the home opener. So looking at your schedule, John. you play Towson on the seventh, you're open on the eighth. We'd, we'd love to have you. Thank you so much for being a great sport. We, we wish the Red Sox luck, except for the 18 ish games that they have to play the Orioles. And we wish you luck as you continue to get through COVID Big doubleheader, ladies and gentlemen, on Saturday, April 3rd, uh, 1 o'clock and 3.30 p.m. Um, at the Bish, as, uh, as Ward says. I think that's going to latch on like and be a viral thing at the Bish. That's not mine. That's Coach. Coach is saying that when we were in the show. Oh, he says show. he calls it the Bish. Yeah, that's not mine. Wow. I can't claim that. That's great. Oh, man, it's yeah. pretty good. Oh, hold on. One more Red Sox trivia story. So I'm walking <laughs> through SFO, right? And I look over and there's Mia Hamm sitting there eating lunch. And guess who's with her? Her husband, Nomar Garcia Farah. And so oh, I wow. said hello to them. Oh, my childhood an hero. Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they were very cool. It was great. Just this random walking through SFO. 
um, story. I always thought that like that commercial with John Krasinski and uh, and the dude is Captain America and they're doing the Boston accent that the dude Steve Rogers. The car, yeah, the dude driving the car instead of uh, instead of Krasinski should have been Noma, but, uh, <laughs> but no big deal. That's just me. Well, hey, um, doubleheader on Saturday, one p.m. and three thirty versus Lehigh. Come out to the Bish, watch Joe Samori and hit leadoff like Cedric Mullins would, and uh, and and keep going, Navy baseball. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll be rooting for you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Joe Samorian, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Ward Wags and I will take this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Awesome conversations um, with uh, Joe about the Red Sox. Uh, you know, it just reinforced a lot of my uh, deep-seated feelings against that team. But but what a great what a great dude! What a great uh, example of a Naval Academy athlete, as well as uh, as well as uh, Patrick Skolniak. Uh, before we go out, I'm going to kick it over to our producer, Chris Rebello. Chris, take it away. Hey, thanks, John. I wanted to uh, take an opportunity just to um, kind of clarify or qualify um, a comment that I made last week. I uh, heard some feedback that uh, maybe I had misspoke or had not provided enough content when I said that I had um, concern about the administration and the decisions that they were going to make um, as we work through um, where we are COVID-wise. I think the point that I really was trying to drive home was that I, I am very proud of the work that the folks in Larson Hall and the folks in Ricketts Hall have done to uh, balance the health, morale, athletic mission uh, of the Naval Academy. But, you know, I'll, I'll double down a bit. Um, the athletes are going to do what the athletes do. The coaches are going to do what the coaches do. And I think the real challenge in this environment is on the decision makers. You're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, I'm really proud of uh uh, of the soup. I'm really proud of Chet. Uh, remain uh, proud of the uh, athletic trainers and doctors who are making tough decisions every day. So I didn't want there to be any confusion uh, about what I thought and about what this pod thinks uh, about the tough um, and kind of thankless work uh, that these folks are doing. So thanks for the opportunity, John. Well said, Chris. Um, and on the horizon, the Sing Second Sports team we talked a lot in the intro about how great it was for sports to be back. They remain back, but we have to remain vigilant. Uh, this is my weekly shout out to people to please wear their masks. Please remain vigilant and please look out for each other during this pandemic. A uh, big week ahead coming up on Friday and Saturday is the Navy Spring Invitational at the Naval Academy Golf Course. Uh, poor Ward and myself can't tee off on Friday until closer to noon because the women's golf team uh, we'll have the morning tea times on Friday and Saturday. We wish them good luck in that and are excited to possibly welcome Nadia St. Marie, the coach, to the podcast next week. Also, the Sing Second Sports team will be up in Adam very early on Saturday at 9.30 a.m. for the Army Star Meet for men's and women's track and field. Uh, so please tune in for, uh, for our social media updates there. Women's tennis is at Army. Rowing is uh, rowing against Northeastern. And then uh, we talked to Joe Samori and they have the Lehigh doubleheader on Saturday. 
men's lacrosse versus Loyal on Saturday, and also women's soccer on Saturday night at Glen Warner Soccer Facility at 6 p.m. So for Chris Cervello and Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner, we are looking forward to bringing you more coverage as we get into Friday and Saturday of Easter weekend. I can't believe it's already April. Um, with April comes baseball. So today was supposed to be the Orioles opening day against the Red Sox at Fenway. As we pointed out, that was canceled, but it only delays the inevitable, which is an O's smacking of the Red Sox. We're talking to you, Joe Samorian and Ryan Perry. So we will bring you a bunch of updates over the weekend, but please stay safe, stay vigilant, be good to each other. And thank you for listening to Sing Second Sports. On behalf of our sponsors, Mills Fine Wine and Spirits and Academy Consulting, I am John Schofield. This is Sing Second Sports. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. 